everybody welcome to the 157th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage when i woke up this morning i could not speak so i'm very happy to actually have a voice right now i'm you know uh. i think that about summarizes how i felt uh, like i didn't want to do anything like olga's voice was shot uh, mine was okay. It gets a little How raspy. Do you have I... your voice be okay when you're the loudest motherfucker in the entire arena. I don't know. I mean, I, I can feel it a little bit. Um, definitely we'll be ready for game six on Thursday, but really we went home. We had ramen and what flavor soy sauce. Um, Put, put a couple of hard-boiled eggs in that bad boy. But then after that, I think we watched like an episode of The Office. And I told Olga, I was like, I'm not tired, but I don't want to do anything. Like I just I just want to crawl in a hole. I, I, it just eh. – that game was the biggest game since game seven of the 2000 Western Conference Finals. And I knew it was a big game because I started getting antsy as fuck. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the night before, couldn't really sleep. I mean, none of us, we all, we went to the game with Stu. None of us got good night's sleep the night before. And then literally, like, my stomach was a knots as I was watching the Toronto-Philly game, got to the arena early. And I was like, this just feels too good to be true. Um, and, and sure enough, it, it was. Portland dropped game four, 116-112. to 112. The series is now even at two games apiece and the Blazers fell into the the same trap as the San Antonio Spurs after winning one of two in Denver. Neither team could hold serve on their home floor. And now Portland is really faced with the unenviable task of having to win a second game in Denver. And this series, however, has been anything but conventional. Conventional wisdom says Denver wins game five, Portland wins game six, Denver wins game seven. That's what smart money tells you to bet. But this game has been anything but chalk. Game one was the only game that went chalk. That was the only game that really felt like a regular season game. Now we are into the nuts and bolts of this series where we're seeing matchups, we're seeing the stars pr- produce, and it's it's really going to be which role player is going to step up, who is going to make the the least amount of mistakes. Uh, we saw in game four that the Blazers had a terrible quarter. The third quarter lost them that game. They were outscored 27 to 14. Seth Curry was on fire in the in the second quarter. He had 16 points at halftime, hit a three to go into the locker room. And I was feeling good. I was like, okay, this usually when this happens, happened a lot in the OKC series. We ride that momentum. For whatever reason, and and I, I don't know. I wasn't there on the bench. I wasn't playing. The Blazers took their foot off the pedal and didn't go for the kill. Denver 
was resilient. You must give them credit, especially after losing that four overtime game. They came in. Portland did was not able to jump on them. It was a back and forth battle all throughout. Denver went up by six, seven, eight points. Portland in the fourth quarter grinded, gutted, got it to three, got it to one. And the Nuggets always had an answer. I mean, yeah, it felt like they always had that counterpunch to our attack. Yeah, and that's really what this series has been. It's been a lot of body blows. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this feels like a, a long series. And, you know, you got to give credit to Will Barton. He struggled mightily in, in the first round, even got removed out of the starting lineup. But the past two games, he hit clutch shots after clutch shots. If you're Portland, that's what you, you, that's what you choose to deal with. You have to live with that. Because you would rather have Will Barton shooting than Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic. On the other hand, if you're the Blazers, you have that terrible quarter, but you also have to feel, one, you you felt like one got away. I mean, if if they lose this series, they are going to point back to none other than this game. This is the one that got away. Despite being outscored by 13 in that third quarter, the Blazers really should have won this game. Um, They shot... 22 of 28 from the foul line. Yes, that is 79% as a team, which is fantastic. But you don't expect Dame Lillard to miss three free throws. Mm. And we will discuss this a little bit more in detail because I'm seeing a a lot of kind of Dame slander on forums and some on Twitter. And I think it's completely unnecessary. I think it comes across as uneducated. And I think it comes across as uh, a really fucking shitty take. This is a guy who is playing on average 44 minutes a night in in round two. He is not a machine. He is a human being. Yes, he shot 91% in the regular season, but he still went eight for 11. Like We can't say that that was the reason we lost. It, it played a role because Portland went 22 of 28. Denver went 25 of 28. There's three points yep. right there. Then you want to look back at some missed calls. Yes, officiating was a huge part that played in the outcome of this game. The two biggest calls, the third quarter, Portland's making a push. Cantor has an obvious and one. They call him for an offensive foul, which he was in his space. Millsap got into Cantor's bubble. That was a horrible call. And then the technical foul by Scott Foster on Zach Collins, which awarded Nicole Jokic uh, two free throws plus the technical um, replay showed Zach went straight up. It was a perfectly played defensive stop by the second year pro from Gonzaga. And to top it off, Scott Foster had to show up the kid by giving him a technical, even when he was in the wrong. So there's a six, nine point swing right there. Three mm. at the foul line. Three at the end of the court where Cantor should have had an and one, and three at the end of the court where Jokic should have had um, no, no. no call at all. And this is a four-point game. So this is why I feel like a, a lot of fans, myself included, are so upset at the officiating. Was it the sole reason the Blazers Absolutely lost? Absolutely not. No. But if you sit there and say that it had no effect, you were fooling yourselves and you were trying to – straddle the fence in the complete opposite direction just out of spite that is not the case it had a major effect on it and until the officials which i'm not sure they are the rest of the way going to call it fair 
down low, the Blazers are going to have to rely on three-point shooting. I saw a play, case in point, why Damian Lillard isn't driving as much. Fourth quarter, Jokic has four fouls. Dame goes to the right side of the floor off of the pick and roll. Jokic is trying to keep up with him as he turns the corner. Clearly shoulder checks him. No foul called. That would have been five on Jokic. And Dame, like, out of pure, like... Oh, this is obviously a foul. I'm gonna chip, I'm gonna stop my momentum. Stops for a second, notices that there's no call, and then has to try and get baseline on Joker. And yo, when there when you got when you lose all that momentum from trying to get the the blow by, and then you stop, it means they got the guy can catch up. I I rewatched until the f- about four minute uh four minutes left in the game because I got irritated. I think it's crazy that Zach Collins got that T when I've seen Draymond Green act a pure ass and not get a T. And then I, I don't even think it was that disrespectful. And then Zach Collins gets the T. It's just a little fucked up. You acted like this. You need to be penalized. And like the players like Draymond Green need to actually get penalized for their outbursts if Zach Collins is getting his, I mean, a momentum-changing T-call on him. I it, think the NBA has an image problem from a, a from a sport standpoint. Not for the player. The players are fantastic. But an outside image problem where a casual fan can read that Scott Foster is going to be officiating the game tonight and be like, oh, shit, here we go again. An official should never have that kind I of I should reaction. never know what an official's name is. You and should I never watch, know what I watch more basketball than... Anybody I know. I don't know the ref's names except him. And it, it it is a big image crisis that I think the NBA needs to handle if they want to continue their climb over the NFL. They're making really positive momentum, but that is one thing that a lot of fans, myself included, just have a hard time getting around is the lack of consistency. And no sport is immune to the situation but i feel like in basketball when you have the least amount of players out there football you've got 11 on each side baseball you got nine in the field one at bat soccer 11 on 11 hockey you have multiple players the point is basketball there's there's 10 guys on the floor and three officials so every mistake is very compounded i mean it's 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 so much more obvious because there's there's not as much action in terms of bodies flying around as there are in, in the other sports. And so when you see a missed call, I mean, that's why it's, it's, it's so frustrating. And I don't expect every call to, to go, to go our way. Yeah. I mean, there's that human element. I expect it to be called the same way on both ends. If you're going to let them play physical and I see Dame go up for a layup and he gets little contact and no foul, I'm like, okay, let us, let's go down and defend Jokic that way then. Because it's not being called the same way, and to to me, that's what what frustrates me. And I think you're seeing a lot of fans. Um, it's opening up a lot of wounds, especially from the early '90s Blazers, especially from Game Seven against the Lakers when Steve Smith got absolutely obliterated by Shaq on the fast break and no foul was called. Like these these rip up old wounds for for longtime Blazer fans, saying, "Oh, we finally made it to the to the semis. Here we go again." It's tough, man. Like, it, it 
we we in the Denver Nuggets are very we're on the same tier level of talent and skill, and it's an evenly matched game. A foul that may not be a real thing sways the game when the when the teams are that talent when they're that evenly matched. Eve everything can be the turning point in a game, and that that Cantor shot was definitely a momentum swing. That was from three to zero, and then Zach Zach played really well and got the T and he went out. Like those two things, yes, they're negative six points, but they're they killed our momentum too. And momentum is such a powerful thing in basketball since run like it's a run based game. Yeah, and you know, looking at if you look at the game, yes, the Blazers had 14 turnovers, but Denver had 10. So I, I wouldn't say that that's a massive shift one way or the other. What really shifted the game for me was the three-point line. Portland started 7 of 10 from downtown. They finished the game shooting just 5 of 18. Um, with with Ennis playing with one shoulder, without Yusuf Nurkic, without a traditional power forward, Portland's back-to-the-basket scoring is pretty limited right now. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to live by the three and die by the three the rest of the season. And you can't really blame them, just given the way their personnel is, is situated right now. The second is you look at the field goal attempts. Portland shot damn near 48% from the field but only took 82 attempts. Denver, on the other hand, shot 92 times. They got 10 extra cracks at it. Portland mm. shot 5% better from the field. They shot the same amount of free throws. But Denver was able to get more opportunities at the rim, and somehow in that fourth quarter of Game 2, Denver found a way to attack the glass, and I, I thought it was just due to fatigue. But Portland has to figure out a way to identify that because somebody pointed out, put it on Twitter, it might have been Dane Delgado. Um, seems like we're trying to play volleyball for, for these rebounds instead of just boxing out. Like, yeah, we don't we, box out, especially yeah, we, the it's it's basically Cantor and Jokic, you know, offensive line versus defensive line drills, and then our two wings have shit position on the sides. And they try and like tap it out when they probably should just grab box out and try and get better position. The positioning on those rebounds is tough, man. But like we have to, tr- we have to try and get inside position on those boards because that's where it, it. I saw that we've only we only got out offensive rebounded by five, but it was like the way that the Denver Nuggets got those rebounds was a lot easier than us. We have to put in so much more effort on those rebounds. That's why when Denver gets like a three stack of uh, boards in a possession, it's deflating. But yeah, I, I definitely see the volleyball thing. And sometimes that shit just goes directly to Denver players for an easy layup. Yeah, I mean, another... This game felt wasted in so many ways but none more than another game of solid bench production and once again our bench put up 27 points you look at denver's bench they put up 24 23 points we outproduced denver's storied bench again Mm. and it was all for naught for whatever reason 
we did not run any plays for Seth Curry or Rodney Hood in that second half. Seth Curry was like, I had the, you remember the New Orleans game where Jake yeah. Lehman was hitting? I had that vibe about it. You yeah, knew he, that like, shit was going in. In a minute or so, I mean, he was just, he was locked in. And, you know, watching highlights, he was running off of screens, make it, making Jokic work, you know, catching and shooting. At a certain point in time, obviously now Portland's backs are against the wall with the series tied. The Blazers are going to have to start to trust one another a little bit more. And I'm not saying that's a knock on Dame or a knock on CJ. It's more, I think, on Terry Stotts because I, I think he's fallen victim to the Nate McMillan school uh, of coaching that when in doubt, isolate the shit out of Dame or CJ and hopefully they can make something happen. Mm. That's not going to win us this series. We, we need to move the ball around. We need to be a little bit more aggressive on offense. And, you know, it, it's not like what we're doing right now on offense is broke. We put up 112 points on 48% shooting. We got good looks. But there are still times, especially when we go flat, the third quarter, it's a little too ISO heavy. Like we have a mismatch with Rodney Hood. Put him down on the block against Will Barton or Jamal Murray. I don't give a fuck. He is getting buckets right now. He is feeling himself. Seth Curry needs more. When he is six of nine from shooting, he needs to be shooting so much more. We just didn't even find him a look. And I find it hard to believe that the Denver Nuggets – figured out a way to solve Seth Curry's production in a half of basketball because it wasn't that the Blazers just forgot about him. And I don't know how that happens. I, I, in that third quarter, um, Jokic didn't even, but like if there was a pick and pop, Al Farouk sets the pick rolls to the corner. Jokic didn't even attempt to go over them like three solid passes. And that Denver defense breaks. But we don't take advantage of that when we're going ISO heavy. It's just like e- even when we go ISO heavy, one of those guys was is wide open, whether it be Harkless or Al Farouk, and Al Farouk was hitting that day. And there were just minutes of the game where Joker was just chilling in the middle because he didn't respect Aminu, and we didn't kick it to him. And you know CJ or Dame or whoever took a really contested two, and it bricked. You know, I think the Blazers just need to be a little more patient on that end of the floor, make Denver work a little bit more. Um, It's kind of like we have to work because Denver doesn't respect some of our shooters. It's kind of like breaking the zone where we have to make a few good passes, find the open man and hope and he'll hit it. We don't we don't we don't work around to find that open shot. A lot of it is ISO. Yeah, I mean, if if you're Portland, I kind of came to the conclusion after that game, we weren't meant to win that one. There are ones where you feel jobbed, where you feel like, oh, I can't believe we just missed those shots. We weren't meant to win that game. If you look at some of the shots Denver was hitting, the first shot of the game, Jamal Murray shoots over the backboard and goes in. Yeah. I mean, that's luck. That is not skill. That is complete and utter luck. But it went in, and it counts all the same. Jokic also had two shots that he did not intend to bank from straight on, but they, but they went in. Again, six points right there. We talk about all these little things. The devil is in the details, and it just became too much for Portland to overcome. You know, at the level we were playing, most nights we probably win that game. But we had to be a little bit better. Um, I'd be lying if I wasn't disappointed in 
in the finished in the final score because the chance to go up three one, but you know, maybe this is just part of the story. I mean, I know that sounds cliche and corny, but I think you have to find if you're Portland and you're looking for silver linings, if you, if you're looking to find a way to, to kind of pick your head up in the morning, maybe this is just part of the story. Like this team's been resilient. They've been much more resilient of late. I mean, earlier in the season, that was not the case. If we were down going into the fourth quarter, you know, sign, seal, delivered, let's yeah. get out of here. We're not going to win this game. But after Nurk went down, after CJ went down, after Cantor separated the shoulder, Mo Harkless injured his ankle, the team has just fought. And that's one thing you can never take away from them is, mm-hmm. is their heart. And and they're busting their ass. They're trying. And, I want, and I'm going to say this on every fucking podcast. This team is doing this without their second best player in Yusuf Nurkic. Mm-hmm. Like this team is in the second round without Yusuf Nurkic. We beat Oklahoma City 4-1 or tied it 2 with Denver without the Bosnian beast. You think Jokic would be doing this right now? You think they'd be getting all those offensive rebounds right now? Hell no. I mean, how how ass would the Denver Nuggets be without Jamal Murray right now? Or Paul Millsap. Yeah. Um, I mean, so just like let's, and I know the tendency of the, of of the Blazer fan is to increase expectations as the Blazers go deeper into the playoffs. And I get that. But at the same time, you have to also realize where we are and who we have available. Like for, for most of us, if you would have asked us right after that game four against the new Orleans Pelicans in last April, the Blazers are going to win a first round series next year. Is that a successful season? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we just need to realize, kind of, you know, check yourself a bit. Like, everything we get right now is gravy. That doesn't mean I wasn't as heartbroken as I have been in 19 years. That that game gutted me. But you have to put things into perspective that, you know, we're fighting. We're fighting a battle with an arm tied behind our back most nights. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're doing a damn good job. And if you think the series is over or the season's over, you know, Give your tickets to someone else because we we got to keep believing. When you just experience a loss like that, it's hard to have that maturity of being able to see the bigger picture and seeing how successful this this season has been, especially with all the the injuries and the things that the team has had to fight from. It's hard to see, you know. Well, it's been a successful year when. You know, the fan base feels like they just got hoed for seven straight, seven points. So I, I get it. I, I totally get the people's, you know, people are upset with the ref. To me, I think game five is going to be determined by Damian Lillard's three point shooting. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've heard people wanting more from from Dame and I'll be the first one to admit, like, in the stands, I'm like, Dame, come on, we need you. Like, let's go. You pointed at your wrist so fucking much in the last, like, eight yeah. minutes of the game. Yeah, I get it. But that's still, that's just the unwielding faith that if he shoots, I think it's going in. Mm. I looked at his numbers from OKC versus what he's doing now. Do you want to know the only the only difference? Shooting percentage. From three. Yeah. He didn't like the world. I, I think there's this misconception. There's that 50 burger that people think. Yes, yes, there is. But there's, I think there's just, and it, that plays a lot into it. You're absolutely right. But there is a misconception that that Damian Lillard was 
you know, just shooting this ridiculous field goal percentage throughout the series. Yes, he did. If you factor in three-point percentage, his true shooting numbers were, were really strong. I mean, he was amazing from the line as well. But just his overall field goal percentage was 45%. He's only at 42% right now. What is the difference? The difference is he took 11 threes against OKC a night. He made a little over five. He was shooting 47% from downtown. You fast forward to this series, he is shooting nine threes. He's only hitting two, 25%. That, that is the difference in him averaging 33 versus 27. You make two more threes. It's like um, it messes up your feelings about how Dame played. It's like the, it's the major outlier of that series because he was so transcendent that game that you, you think he was transcendent the entire time. No, he picked his spots pretty damn well and was a microwave. He wasn't consistently great. He was just really good at certain times. I, I, I was hoping that he would save us, but he's a human being and it, it it's tough. Like they're they're sending everything at him to stop him from doing what he does. So, I mean, I, I guess I I don't know what people want from him. Twenty eight and seven and three in thirty six minutes. I mean, my God, are are we really complaining over twenty eight and seven, which are above his his regular season averages? I mean, this is a guy who has showed nothing but loyalty to this city and the fan base. And I'm saying this is just a, a small minority of people who are bringing this up but obviously the the small minority have have a large you know voice sometimes and that's that's unfortunate i i truly believe the majority of rip city values damon what i'm trying to say is would you really want dame he was shooting nine for 22 do you want him to force it and shoot 35 shots isn't that the same basketball play that we just chastise Westbrook for mm-hmm. and just make fun of him for, yeah, keep shooting Russ. You're different, bud. Yeah. Is that what, is that what people are saying? You want Dame to shoot more because that that's not it. That's not him. He's not going to force it. He is not going to make himself more than the team. If he has a matchup, he's going to exploit it, but he trusts his teammates. Now what he can do is I think he can operate a little bit quicker in the pick and roll. I think we're waiting a little too long to get that set up. And he needs to use his hesitation a little bit more. And he's going to have to put the onus on the officials to make the calls. Yes, he's getting hammered, but I think you have to continue to go time and time again. Mm. And I mean, watching game three, the thing I saw with Dame is he he would get into the teeth of the defense and then pass it more than he shot. I think with how Mo and Chief are cutting and Cantor's right there, I think... I would much rather see him try and get the lay in and then get the, and then have his guys get the Kobe assists. Like he's causing so much focus on him every time he drives it. I would much rather see the fucking attempted layup and then one of our guys crashing in than him kicking it out to Arkless. Like there, there, he gets into the teeth. He, then he just passes it out. Sometimes it's the right move when the cut. Is just super open, but I would say those last few minutes of the game when he was just attacking the basket is how he's going to have to play just because it just, it causes so much Nuggets focus when he does that, that one of our guys can slip in and get that, that tip in. 
Yeah, I mean, we talk about winning the offensive rebounding battle. That's the way to do it. If they're going to send two or three guys at him, the rest of the team needs to And crack. you know that everybody's watching Damian Lillard. So mm-hmm. it means that our guys can cut and get in and tip that ball in. I mean, like, Ed Davis lived off the the fact that everybody respects Damian Lillard, so he's going to get offensive rebounds. Like, that's the type of shit we're going to have to have to do for the next few games is Dame's an attack. If it misses, that's a it's a very good chance we're going to get the board and two points. And it's going to be the easiest two points we'll get because the the defense is focused on Damian. Like, the, Denver sends a lot of action. We help, and then Denver gets the easy offensive rebound. We can do the exact same thing. So do you, what are your, this is actually the first time in Holy Backboard history that, because we've only covered one game, I can look at the X factors. I have a list on my phone of the things I saw that I, I think we need to take advantage of. So can I start with the X factors for game five? Yes. All right. Give me the notes. Wait, I let you go with the X factors all the time first. I know, but I don't have notes in my phone. Oh, okay, okay. That that was the first. Okay, okay, good. Uh, we damn. I don't write well. D- number one, Dame's fingerprints on in every quarter. There, there are a lot of times where he's either hot or cold. We need him to be consistent. For anybody who's wondering, it autocorrected to Dame's ginger prints every quarter. <laughs> yes, can I say yes and no? Sure. Explain the yes. no though. Yes. So obviously I think it starts in the first quarter and the third quarter. Like he really gets us going to start the halves. And then the fourth quarter we all know is Dame time. But he has a running mate also, CJ McCollum, who's having the playoffs of a lifetime. And at times that does require him to take the ball out of his hands and say, CJ, go and get your bucket. So to me, I think it's slightly unrealistic for, for Dame to go off and CJ to go off. Well, if he has six assists in a quarter, though. Not if we're looking at the box score at the end of the game. We say, oh, they both had 30. I'm saying how they work and operate is they kind of pulse off one another. CJ go gets it three times. Dame goes gets it three times. That can work. But I, I think if I, I don't think we can win if Dame is being ball ball dominant. the entire No, but game. having your fingerprints on the game might be you set your guys up the first three quarters getting them motivated to run, and then you take over the fourth. Okay. so when I mean, Damien definitely had... I, I thought, yeah, when you, when you said fingerprints, I went literally to fingerprints on the ball. No, no, well, you use your fingerprints to uh, pass the ball, too, and set up your teammates. Okay, fair enough. He has to be a bigger impact in every quarter of the game, whether it be passing or shooting or... he. We have to know Damian Lillard's on the floor and is dominating in one fashion or the other. To me, I would say, yes, my Damian Lillard X Factor is a three-point line. Can we get him shooting over 50% from three for for the night? Like, I think for us to win this series, we will need at least one damn Dame type of game. And usually it's the three that sets up the drive. Because if, if he's out there hitting that three that basically came from the New Orleans series last year, where his trainer was like, hey, you're going to have to pull up a little bit further that's usually when he gets into his rhythm. It's when mm. he got into his rhythm in game one. That's what he did in uh, game four, especially that big third quarter in game four to really pull us ahead of OKC. 
And it's what he did all of game five against the Thunder. The three-point shot is the ultimate equalizer. And when Dame's on, it seems like the rest of the team is just like, okay, fuck it, we're not losing. All right. All right. Second on my notes. Gang rebounding and communicating, especially when you're rebounding. Because there were plays. Absolutely. There were plays today or in, in game four where Rodney Hood and Zach Collins are fighting for the exact same rebound, and then Jokic just taps it out of their hands and scores the basket. That shows that they're not communicating. So it's yeah, getting that position I, and communicating with each other about, oh, I have the ball, Rodney. You can let go now. Yeah, it's almost like they're trying too hard yeah. to rebound. Like like they know rebounding is an issue, so I'm going to try and do it all myself. I think we almost need to go back to the Robin Lopez days where it's just like you get one dude – and you just box him out, and then the rest of your buddies come in and rebound. Oh, yeah, that's, that's Rope, totally Rope, what I was thinking. Well, clear space. And, and then the Marcus and Ick and Wes would all have access to it. Yeah, exactly. And then Cantor's doing it with Jokic. He's winning his battle a, a lot of the time. It's just those other nuggets are just get it, are getting into the, play, the, into the rebounding lanes. We have to do that. There are a lot of times in that game I, I was watching where Dame and CJ are in no man's land. They're not, per, they're not going after the rebound and they're not defending the pass. If, you know, Jokic gets the rebound, they're just standing where they wouldn't be a factor in any other way. So they have, we have to send more guys because we don't have the beef. Denver yeah. has the beef in the it, for rebounding, so it might be sacrificing fast break points, which isn't our game in any way, oh. shape, or form, and five men getting the ball. Rebounding is the end part of defense. There are a lot of those times where we failed defensively because okay, uh, Denver gets that rebound and scores. Absolutely. I mean, there were times where we were cheering our asses off for rebounding, Doug. Yeah. We, I, I think, it, I think it's the story of the series. Yeah. So on my phone next, making your free throws. We've talked about it. It's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, like I said, twenty-two of twenty-eight is not bad, but there were other games where we shot even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe we missed a ton in game one as well. The Blazers are an elite free throw shooting team. Points are. I wouldn't say they're at a premium, but they're at a premium in the playoffs. Easy points so are at a premium. They're easy. They're the easiest points you're going to get all night. Yep. Uh, you you got to convert. And last on mine, Dame needs to be a little bit more selfish. I was talking about how he gets into the lane and passes. He needs to shoot those. It, it's just the Kobe assist, the Derrick Rose assist. That shit. We talk about how easy points. There's nothing easier than getting the rebound and then essentially laying it up. That shit's super easy. And I think if Dame can just manufacture those points for his guys, it'll be huge. So what are your X factors, uh, Dustin? I mean, you nailed everything from a Portland perspective. I added in Dame's three-point shooting. Um, from a Denver perspective, Portland needs to do a much better job on Jamal Murray. And if that means Jokic maybe gets a couple extra looks, so be it. The Jokic is the best player on their team, but Jamal Murray is the engine that, that runs that offense. I mean, he, yeah, he runs rarely, the pick and roll and stuff. They rarely lose when he plays well. Uh, I feel like we're not... I feel like we're not scrambling enough on defense. And I don't think it's a, a sustainable strategy for 48 minutes. But... We did really well in games two and three when 
they went for the pick and roll and our big just started trapping Murray, forcing him away, 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 away from the basket. We did the auto switch, not even thinking about it. It was, especially, I mean, game three, it was, we had to switch because we were exhausted. But in game four, it was just like, oh, he's setting the pick. All right, I got yours. I think there definitely needs to be plays where we just double them. But there, there has to be plays where we make Jamal Murray think. Because running pick and roll without any, like, dog, I play 2K. If you just let me have my shit, like my my number one option, you take that away, but I have my number two, all right, shit's easy. But when you force people to think, that's where you make mistakes. That's where you get scaries. That's where you get all of these things that we're playing so hard for. We're trying to get turnovers. So we have to send different looks at Jamal Murray. You know, lastly, play desperate. I don't think we played – we didn't play with like like our backs were against the walls in game four. I think we probably played equally as hard as Denver. Denver maybe a little bit more because they got all those offensive rebounds. But both teams gutted it out. I think Portland gen, like really has to play desperate in, in game five. They have to feel like this is the series – for them, yes, you can go back to Portland and win a game six, but God knows that's going to be tough as shit to do just as much as winning game five. They have to really feel like this is an elimination game for them because there's a three-game series, it's a race to two, and you only get one on your home mm. court. Portland needs to play like their lives, their basketball lives depend on it, and I know they're only getting a day off in between games, but so is Denver. Denver also played two extra playoff games. Portland also has two really good backup guards, Seth Curry and Rodney Hood. Let's maybe rely on them a little bit more if Damon CJ are, you know, busting their ass a little bit harder, you know, scrambling on defense. You know, we do have Myers. We have Zach. Like, we can go a little bit deeper into our rotation. Like, I, I don't necessarily think the answer is, oh, you know, three-game series, let's shorten the rotation. We saw what happened in game three when we brought a fresh body into the game. Rodney Hood was ready to go. Mm. Same thing with Denver. Will Barton was ready to go. There is something to be said about fresh legs when we're playing May basketball. And our bench has proven that they're playing pretty damn good. So if you need to to go a little bit harder on that turbo button on defense, do it and just kind of get a little bit more frequent substitutions because – we're, we're not going to win unless we get stops. Without mm. Nurkic, our offense is just – I wouldn't say it's unsustainable, but it's definitely not sustainable. It, it's a little hit and miss, and it really depends on, on that long ball. But what you can bring is you can bring a defensive mentality every night. And so that, that to me is where the game will be won. We can tell right away, are the Blazers switching it up? Are they trying things a little different? Are they making Denver think a little bit more out there? Because right now – there's only three Nuggets that want the basketball. Murray, Jokic, and Barton. Those are the only three that want it. Millsap will take it, but he's not really calling for it. Those three are the only ones that want Gary Harris wants no part of the basketball. Torrey Craig doesn't want it. Mm. Monty Morris, he'll fucking dribble it off his foot. We have to make somebody else beat us. Every team does it to us. It's time for us mm. to do it to them. We did it in a game two and it worked. Not saying it's a foolproof strategy, but... Um, that's I mean, where the seven game series is before you have, you have to make adjustments. If Gary Harris shoots six for seven, it wasn't meant to be, but I'll take my exactly. chances. Oh. All right. Let's get a couple fan questions before we wrap this bad boy up. JP Mack wants to know, how do we stop Paul Millsap? 
we don't send any help, and Paul Millsap gets like ten dribbles. I think we need to. We've been sending real, real good pro- rotations at uh, Joker when he dribbles once. Paul Millsap gets like ten. We need to make him. We need to send help. Like he's been very consistent with his scoring. I think it's just th- sending extra help, sending fades. Like we I, we gotta treat him like he's an all star. Because he has been this year of this series, I think it's don't let him get comfortable. Don't give him that many dribbles and send help. I mean, I think what it comes down to is we have a, a matchup mismatch. It, yeah. Unfortunately, it's in Denver's favor. It's just what comes along with the territory when you don't have a traditional power forward. What I've seen work this series in a little bits from Denver side and a little bits from Portland side. Denver sometimes forgets about him. They have a big matchup advantage down low in the front court. We have a depleted front court. They've got one of the better ones left in the game. Sometimes they just straight up forget about it. You have to hope that happens. In a seven-game series, luck does play mm. into it. For Portland's perspective, Chief needs to do what he, what he can to de- play deny basketball. Make the make the passing window a little tighter, whether it's you know, fronting, playing on his his outside shoulder, um, pushing him further away from the basket, sending a double, maybe not right away. but You just can't let him get comfortable. Yeah, you can't let him Charles Barkley, Mark Jackson, yeah. dribble, 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 post up over his shoulder and shoot. Paul Millsap's made a career. I don't remember how many years. I heard he has arthritis from somebody in the stands. Yeah, that, that dude does have arthritis. So, so like, you gotta you got to... You can't let him get comfortable. He has made a career out of shooting over taller guys. And a lot of those times, those taller guys were more imposing than Al Farouk. We got to send some help on them. If he's getting comfortable, you can't you can't let him get five-plus triples of possession. Last question from Stuart Campbell for you. Oh, I need ooh. some sage wisdom for how the rest of the series plays out. Was game four a surprise? Did we overemphasize the fatigue factor for Denver? They are the youngest team in the league, but maybe fatigue will end up catching up to them over the next two to three games. I think I think the the thing we gotta fatigue is I think the real thing is the inexperience of everybody outside of Paul Millsap. I think that's where we if, if there was a luck factor, I think they might like throw a bad scary to ice the to end the game so Blazers get a win. I think experience is more of the thing we could draw from than fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. Every, I think everyone overemphasized fatigue. I think people forget that hey, CJ also played 60 minutes that game. Yeah, Jokic played 65, but we had some dudes putting in some heavy time too. I think Portland as a team I think they came into the game a little too comfortable, and I think they will. And now they, they can't even they. they yes. they're extremely uncomfortable with their situation and their yeah, standing right they, now. I think they learned their lesson. Um, they played so well to start the postseason at home, going four zero. I think they felt too comfortable having that game played the day after at their home with that team coming off of that defeat. Portland has to be resilient. Uh, Sage, who do you have winning game five? I have us winning game five because I've been on this optimistic streak and I don't want to change. So Blazers get game five. 
You know, I picked the Blazers. <clears throat> I said the series was either going to be Denver in seven or Portland in six. Ultimately, I, I rode with the Blazers in six. For that to happen, we have to win game five. Um, and as I mentioned earlier in the episode, this series is just kind of wacky. Every time it you think it's going to zig, it, it zags. Like, who would have thought that we would have won game two with, with Dame shooting five of 17? The four overtime game threw everyone for a loop, and then no one predicted that Denver would win game four. So, you know, I, I kind of like the underdog mentality that we're, we're kind of backed into a corner. I mean, that's, right what, that's our shit, though. That was our shit. We... When everybody was healthy, we were like, we might play better as an underdog team. At the core of it, we Dame was went to Weber State and was out of high school was not that well regarded as a prospect. CJ the same. Like uh, we have a lot of guys that fuck with the underdog mentality. Maybe it's just where we feel home, where we feel that pressure on our backs, and we come out really aggressive and really out executing the uh the nuggets tomorrow yeah and i didn't want to say it after game three because i didn't want to jinx it but obviously we lost game four so it doesn't really matter but after game three in the four overtimes and then obviously beating okc in five with dame hitting the shot i kind of started to feel like we had a little bit of destiny in us this year i'm not saying that that means we're going to win the conference finals or win the championship. But, you know, it just felt like, okay, a lot of things split wrong, but a lot of things are going right now too. Like everything's happening. Dame's playing the best ball of his career. Cantor's gutting it out. CJ stepped up his performance. Crazy shit's happening in in our favor. Then obviously game four happens. And now it's almost like, is this just maybe meant to be like, this is just part of our story. You know, I bought a hoodie that, you know, had the 2019 playoffs on it. I have a poster of Damon CJ, the 2019 playoffs, and I keep looking at that. It's like, I'm glad I bought that. Like, this is going to be a playoff that we're going to remember. Mm. And I, th- I think this is just part of the story arc. It's another chapter. You know, it has to get a little bit bad before it gets good. It can't always be great. Um, I think Denver does come out slightly overconfident. I think it's going to be another back-and-forth nail-biter. But... I do think Dame finds his groove from downtown and ultimately the Blazers are going to take control. Like if, if this is the longest we've been in a playoff series since 2000, well, 2000 had a pretty important game five. We had just blown home court, lost two in a row down three, one. What did we do? We went down to LA and won 95, 85, just completely took control of that game. I think Portland can do the same. I, I think they have, they may not be as talented without Nurkic, but we have veterans and we still have Damian fucking Lillard. And sometimes that's all you need. All right. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, and uh, Nothing But Net Radio. Happy Ramadan to all the people that celebrate that. I learned a lot about it from Superfan Anise. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's-